Tim Leeper, the Toronto Blue Jay former first base coach from 2014 to 2018, joins us on a Wednesday talking Toronto Blue Jays, talking topics like a coach's daily routine and former Blue Jays that were right in his wheelhouse, right? During the 24 to 18 Blue Jays, guys like Devin Travis, guys like Marco Estrada, Chris Colabello, Justin Smoke, and more. And Tim was just so good that a lot of tomorrow's Throwback Thursday's show is actually Tim again back in the house as we really deep dive and get into the bat flip and the rivalry with the Texas Rangers. Make sure you check that out. It's awesome. Uh, Tim's so good today. We didn't even have time to get to the Trivia Tuesday answers like I hoped, but check in tomorrow as we will definitely get to that. But for now, let's get into today's episode of the Locked On Blue Jay podcast. You are Locked On Blue Jays. Your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Craig Ballard, Locked On Blue Jays. Yes, indeed. First season as the official host of the Locked On Blue Jay podcast. Remember, the Locked On Blue Jay podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But yes, the the title of Locked On Blue Jays has applied in my life ever since I can remember lifelong passionate, I hope you would agree, knowledgeable Toronto Blue Jay fan. Absolutely thrilled that you're choosing to spend part of your day talking Toronto Blue Jay baseball with me. want to remind you that all the Blue Jays games this season, you can catch those on SiriusXM. If you're watching today's episode of the Locked On Blue Jay podcast on the Locked On Blue Jay podcast YouTube page, hello to you. Thank you for that. See some new uh, subscribers recently as well. Want to shout out to Alan Woodcock, uh, Reigns, Alex. I see you uh, hitting that subscribe. I thank you for that. I see a comments uh, recently from uh, Finesse God and Dulcimerist as well. Love seeing the comments. Love being able to interact with my fellow Toronto Blue Jay fans. So do keep that going, please, and thank you. And for the everydayers, making the Lockdown Blue Jay podcast your first podcast listen each and every day. Certainly want to thank you for that as well. I, I see and I appreciate that. Uh, please help the Lockdown Blue Jay podcast grow and please hit that five-star review. Now, wanted to do Trivia Tuesday answers today, but as you're about to see, I mean, we're packed with the insight from Tim Leeper. Be sure to tune in tomorrow on the Throwback Thursday for more with Tim Leeper as we had, um, um, my goodness, uh, who had a better seat to the bat flip and all the stories that go along with that, right, than Tim Leeper. That's on tomorrow's show, and I absolutely promise you we will get to the Trivia Tuesday answers on tomorrow's show. Without further ado today, let's jump into our conversation with former Toronto Blue Jay first base coach, Tim Leeper. Say, hey, don't I recognize this gentleman? Yes, you do. This is the first base coach for the Toronto Blue Jays from 2014 to 2018. Of course, we know 2015 and 2016 were big deal seasons in Toronto Blue Jay lore in Toronto Blue Jay franchise history. So there's a lot we want to deep dive with Tim. But Tim, first of all, thanks for making the time coming here today. And, and Tim, let's get let, let, let's start by getting caught up with you here because uh, from the size of your schedule and, and the goings on and things like that, you continue to this day to be knee deep in coaching baseball. Yeah, I continue to trick them uh, as much as I possibly can. But, you know, after, after the Blue Jays, I think my last year there was 2018. And then I was able to take 2019 off, uh, not kind of voluntarily, but but still uh, I was I was still on the payroll of the Blue Jays. So that was actually kind of nice. And then ever since then, um, I, I joined the San Francisco Giants. Uh, and I'm, I'm their director of uh, base running and outfield play in their minor leagues. And I still do my Baseball Canada stuff. So I'm able to stay in the game. I've been doing this a long time. And, and you know, I'm a, I'm a full-time resident of Canada now. And, and, you know, obviously the Blue Jay stuff has changed my life. And, you know, all for the better. And I enjoy being here. And I get to still do baseball. So uh, life's been pretty good for me to, as since I left Toronto. 
That is awesome. Now, Tim, I, we, we see we catch you during travel here. So again, thanks for taking the time. Now, Tim, you mentioned a lot of things Canadian there. Do you have anything you can show us just to, I mean, not that I'm doubting you, but do you have anything in the car there to show us just to sort of prove that you're definitely Canadian? Okay, there it is. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, done. Done. There it is. Okay, well done. It's also a sour uh, cream glazed donut in there too. Well done. For the well end done. Of this. <laughs> now, so to the important question here, of course, how is that coffee prepared for you? I'm, I'm too cream, too sweetener. You have a double-double. It's a straight. I, I went for dark roast double-double. They didn't have it, so I just went with the straight double-double. Perfect. You're gonna be, yeah, the dark roast. Either way, you're fine. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. So, Tim, let's get into some topics here. Now, you're the Blue Jay first base coach for several years. The majority of Blue Jay games, especially if they're at home, it's during the week. It's a 7.07 p.m. Eastern first pitch. So, Tim, walk us through a day in the life of the coach. I doubt you're getting there at 7.05 with your Tims, and then, you know, hey, what's the plan for today, right? I bet it's a bet it's a, a bit of a full-time job. So on a typical 7.07 p.m. first pitch, what's the day look like for you and the coaching staff, Tim? You know, I, for, we all kind of went to our, our different, you know, heartbeats. So, like, for me, I'd, I'd probably run in about 12, 12.30, and oh, wow. I was kind of right between the time of, uh, you know, having he heavy analytics and, and having to do a lot of stuff on my own. So my job for the Blue Jays was was to get the outfielders in the right positions and then to study the opposing pitchers to look for any type of advantages we could take on the base pass. So it required, like, spending a ton of time on the computer mm -hmm. And uh, just watching a lot of video. I mean, for me, the hardest thing about a baseball game is when it's random. You don't know who you're playing and you don't know what to expect. So I would try to eliminate as much randomness as I possibly could to try to, like, feel that I've played the game out beforehand uh, so I could prepare players better. So for, for me, my, my goal was just to get the players the best information they could and and not to have them spend enough time a lot of time doing it because their days are really busy with a lot of other things so just knowing you know who to give the right information to at the right time and just try to take as much off of their plate as possible that that's what i try to do so that just required me to spend a lot of time in a video room watching video the, the nice thing about it is i i took a lot of time uh and, and i was kind of immersed within the players in our video room so they would all come in and watch things during the course of the day and allowed me to have conversations with the guys just in, in just in general terms about life and just building relationships with guys. So it was fun. I mean, I mean, it sounds like a lot. You're there at 12, but you know, out of, out of that, you know, seven hours before the game, like probably two of it was spent, uh, you know, really hardcore working and the estimate was just kind of like just staying in touch with everybody and just kind of like building the vibe of the clubhouse and in, in the way that I could. Mm -hmm. And at that, at, at some point, the umpire screams "play ball." So now it's go time. You're at first base. What are your duties as the first base coach, Tim? We see you there with the stopwatch. We see you there conversing with the players when they come to first base. Certainly, we can assume some of it is you know you're seeing the stage, reminding the player of the outs in the game scenario and things along those lines. But what else are you doing uh, as that first base coach during the game? Now that's basically it. I mean, I, you know, you, you collect the stuff when they get down there. Um, but, but again, I think the job as a major league first base coach or a first base coach anywhere, it's just, it's, you're, you're kind of proactive to the situation. So you're always in guy's ear. You're always trying to like play the, make the play happen before it happens. Cause once you, when you watch so many baseball games over there, you do kind of get a sense of what's going to happen before it happens. And your job is to get the guy locked in before it does. As a third base coach, you're always being reactive to the situation. You're, you're able to send the guys based on what you see. My job is to kind of set the stage for guys to be able what to look for and have them ready for when it does happen. So that's what I do on the offensive side of it. And the defensive side of it, we basically just, I made sure guys were in the right position. This, there was a lot of things we talked about before the game 
that got him in the right spot. But there was things on the bench that you saw uh, in guys at bats that maybe changed the positioning. And just to make sure you stayed locked on guys and try to get them in the right spot as many times as you possibly can. And then, Tim, with the new rules now, do you think the – it, it, do you think it'd be different to be the first base coach now with the rules? In particular, the stopwatch times you're looking at. So you're timing the pitcher from home, uh, from, from the, the delivery to the plate. With the new rules now, do you think that the, the, the parameters, the, the time ranges, do you think that changes? Do, 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 with the new rules, do, do you think it's a little bit different now for the first base coach? It's just preparation is a little bit different. I mean, I think you have a little less to worry about because the guys only have two pickoff huh? moves. And, and I still coach Ooh. some first down the minor league sub. But uh, so you, you have a little bit less on that term. You, you kind of have a little bit less information to find out uh, you know, when they like to throw over or when they don't. But like stolen bases is now and always has been about math. If you can get to second quicker than the pitcher can deliver the ball to the catcher and the catcher can get the ball to second base, it's always kind of been about that. And, you know, there's some different things you get to look for now. And like I said, there's probably less on your plate because there's a limited amount of options they have to pick you off. And, uh, you know, you, you just try to you try to educate the guys the best you can and, and get them on their way when when, when it's appropriate. So I wondered here with the new rules, because I haven't seen this, I wondered if we would see, you know, first base coaches and base runners trying to come up with ploy with strategy to entice that pitcher to throw over, get that, get that second throw over out of the way. And then now the base runner is in the driver's seat there. I haven't seen it. Is that sort of the, you know, well, Craig, that's because you're on the outside looking in. And, and to be honest, as somebody who was in the inside, there's really no way to, to manufacture or, or, or manipulate that. Is that the case, Tim? Or do you think... It's just too new. And as we go forward, we will start to see strategies about things like that. I think you've seen the biggest strategies right now because it's funny because we've, we've been doing this in the minor leagues for three years. So, like, it's not mm. what's going on in the major leagues is not really new to us. Uh, and there's guys, there's certain guys you can do it with. Uh, like, there's guys that are fast. If, if, if a guy uses his two pickoffs, you know, that gives him a better chance to steal. But at, at, the, end, at the end of the day, you know, base running should have always kind of been important. Um, but with the fact that there's new rules, we've kind of made it a lot more important. And the guys who are good base runners before are probably good base runners now. And I think the biggest thing you see in, in the rules right now is is the guys that didn't run before, like the management uh, values it more and your manager has a little more tolerance for, you know, kind of medium range runners to, to try to steal mm -hmm. bases. And I think that's the biggest thing you say. I, I don't think it's really changed things as much as, people think but there are little nuances in it that that allow guys to be more creative and do some different things but like i said a lot of the stuff was tried out early and it's major league baseball so if you have a gimmick and you're able to do it a couple of times the other team is usually able to start countering those things and uh, i think you see it with the with the vault league a lot like, like the yankees were using the the vault lead uh if you will like early on in the season and now you start to see pitchers starting to, you know, learn how to like pick guys off when they do their vaults and be able to hold the ball more and kind of counter counter the uh, strategy that you have doing those. So I think in terms of base running, the more well-rounded you are, the more weapons you have at your disposal, not only now, but even in the past, those, those are the guys that become the really good base runners.
Now, a lot more coming today and tomorrow with former Blue Jay first base coach Tim Leeper, including in mere moments his thoughts on a non-Toronto Blue Jay that he coached in the minors. I, I know it's locked on Blue Jays, but I had to get Tim Leeper's thoughts on this player. It's a player that I feel like transcends fan bases. I feel like fan bases of, of all teams are fans of this gentleman. He seems like an absolute gem of a person. We're going to get Tim's thoughts on that in a moment. And of course, reminder that tonight's Blue Jay game, all the Blue Jay games this season, you can catch on SiriusXM. For now, I wanted to take just a second here because I wanted to mention that buying tickets to your favorite sporting events should not be stressful. Game time, gametime.co. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, the music, the comedy, the theater, you name it, near you. Killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you're about to have. And I mentioned that best price guarantee. Well, the game time guarantee, that means you're always going to get the best price because if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. I have used a game time a few times this season. Every day is, no, we've talked about this. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of going to the games, but uh, I've used the game time app several times and will again use it several times going forward. I wanted to use it originally. I mean, you know, I wanted to see the renovations. Yes, but I've just really enjoyed the game time app experience. It's so easy to use. For me, that's a big deal. <laughs> For me, that's a big deal. I'm not technically savvy. It's literally two clicks and the tickets are yours and the tickets are sent right to your phone. So you're not fiddling around you know what email address did that go to there's nothing like that when you go to the venue open up the phone there's the tickets show the phone to the ticket taker enjoy your event yeah it is that simple yes you'll also get images of your seats before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive i mean game time is is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason snag the tickets without the stress with game time Download the GameTime app, create an account, use the code LOCKEDONMLB. That's going to get you $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Now, again, create an account, redeem the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. And I know this is locked on Blue Jays, but I have to ask about this player because I feel like this is a player who transcends fan bases. I feel like a lot of people root for this guy. Very easy to root for. He's had an awesome career. What did you see in 2006 and 2007? Because he wasn't the, the main player for you in, in either one of those seasons, but we've seen the career that Andrew McCutcheon has had. Wow. Uh, great. What a great, he came up to me the first year I managed. I'm not sure which year it was, but like he came up late from, from a ball, uh, just a really special human being, like a really good guy, oh. great family. Um, he was just a pleasure to be around. I think he was 19 when he first got to us in Altoona, whatever year it was. And then he, then he started the next year for me. So when he first came up, he did really well. And then, then we went into the offseason and then he came back and he started the year really slow. We had a, a like a week's worth of snow outs and then he started the season really oh, wow. slow. But re what I really liked is there was no panic in him. He just learned how to play the game. He uh, he just continued to get better and better and better. And just as a human being to have in your clubhouse and what he meant to our team, what he meant to other people, um, it was just, it was, I was really fortunate to have, obviously he went on to win MVP and, and has had just a tremendous career. And I, even right now he's, he's really, really playing well. And it's nice to see yeah. him go back to Pittsburgh where he started and where it was really good for him. Like it was great. You know, on the same team too, like I had Neil Walker and Steve Pierce and just, just having that combination of, of people, of, not only of really, really great players, which they were, but also of great human beings. Like I found myself pretty fortunate to be around the guy. And it's so funny 
you manage these guys and they go on to have success and everyone's like, Oh, you got to manage him. But like you learn just as much from guys like him than you do, than you teach him. And then, you know, I had, I had Giancarlo Stanton at one point in my career too. And, yeah. and <laughs> just, just, you know, I've been very fortunate to be around, you know, the, the player, but also to be around the people as well. And, and they've made, they've helped make me better. And, you know, just as I continue to go on and do these things, I mean, the amount of lessons I learned from those guys and going through the development with them, like it's invaluable to me. And I think it's a big reason why I'm still able to connect and be around guys and, and still hopefully have, have some effect on guys as much as I can. That is so cool. I mean, Tim, I, I think it's officially, I think you had Mike Stanton. I think that's how far back you go in the yeah, game. You would have been Mike at that point, right? As I look up to him and I hurt my neck every time yeah, yeah. I talk to him, I, I tell him, I, I can't call you, you know, Giancarlo. It just doesn't seem right to me. So I end up just calling him G and I end up calling him Mike half the time anyway. Jeez. Okay. And I want to go back to now you, you joined the Blue Jays in 2014. And, and I definitely want to get into to the 15 and 16, you know, playoff runs and, and some key contributors there and your thoughts on them. But I have to ask, I was at this game, one of the more enjoyable, I'm not a big Go to the game, person, Tim. I, I I like watching it, you know, at my home, my snacks, doing you know, whatever I want to be done. But but really, Tim, from the baseball standpoint, I love watching it at home because I like seeing the replays. We have Dan Shulman calling games. That's as good as it gets, right? So I oh, yeah. I like. But this one particular day, uh, my parents had taken me to the game for my birthday, and we were sitting up in the uh, I think it's called the Sportsnet Cafe now. It used to be called Ariba, the restaurant that's up in left field. If you remember where, where the left field home run. Oh yeah, that restaurant there. And it was August 29th, 2015. It was the day where Edwin hit that hatch, uh, hit, hit that home run. <laughs> and on that third home run, the, the I, one quick irony here, Tim, is we talked about all the players you managed in the minor league. Well, Edwin's third and final home run of that game, that that <laughs> that cued the, the, the hats coming down, we'll talk about in a minute here. The, the Tigers, it was against the Detroit Tigers. Now, they had brought in Alex Wilson, righty who's doing well for the Tigers to face Edwin in that final at bat. And I say ironic because the pitcher they took out was a lefty, Tom Gordelani, Tim Leeper. You coached Tom Gordelani in the minors, just another, you know, just bringing it back to you again there. But the, I, I paint that picture because if you remember, so I'm, I'm on, on top of the left field there and, and at the old configuration, I'm looking right down at the bullpen. And when the hats start to rain down, Latroy Hawkins's reaction was one of the all-time moments in sports for me. He wasn't a hockey guy at all. He had no idea what's this three-home run, what's this hat trick? Why are people, people paid money for those hats? And just uh, you, like he was going nuts. He was he was he was practically climbing on Aaron Sanchez, just going absolutely ballistic. And it made me wonder, <laughs> Tim, do you remember? It made me wonder if, if Tim Leeper remembers that game and what was the reaction in the dugout? Because that was the bullpen. Some of these guys had never heard something like this before. Were there guys in the dugout who also were like, "What on earth is going on here?" What do you remember about that? I got, I got goosebumps to you telling the story. And it, it was wow. funny because that was August 29th, you said. And, like, from yeah. July 30th that year, like, every day was, like, another segment of, like, okay, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen on the baseball field. <laughs> and it's so like, you know, it started with the trade deadline and waking up in the morning and getting 50 text messages saying, we got Troy Tulowitzki, we got David Price, we got Ben Revere, we got LaTroy Hawkins, we got we got uh, Mark Lowe. Like, it was crazy. So every wow. day, and then we, we never lost. And so every day was something <laughs> more cool after the next. So I, I can remember him hitting the home run and I can remember how I'm like, Oh, that's cool. That's three. That's awesome. And it, it was funny. Cause it was like slow motion. Cause I remember a couple hats flew out and I kind of like chuckled to myself. And then all of a sudden it was like, there was like a delayed reaction. The fans kind of caught. I was like, Oh, oh crap. Wow. This is like a hat trick. We just throw our hats in the field. 
And just to see them come raining down the way they were was like, as and again, I, I remember stepping back. I'm like, okay, this is the coolest thing I, I've ever seen on a baseball field before. And that was my sincere and legitimate reaction. I mean, I can remember them floating around and getting all the hats. And, and I still remember going in the clubhouse that day and they piled all the hats around Edwin's locker. And I think there's a picture of it online somewhere. An where he's awesome surrounded by, by, by like, like two thousand. He's carrying hats. it. He's got them all in a clear, clear sack. He's carrying it like he's Santa Claus. It's epic. Yeah, and that was really, really cool moment. And again, there's there were so many things that happened, but like like every day we just kept added to the added to the like the memory bank and then the greatest things I've ever seen. It was such a magical time, and I think we went like forty three and fifteen or something yeah. down the stretch, and yeah, literally like to. Yeah, to walk on a major league baseball field every day and know you're going to win, like that's a pretty special feeling. And and of course that memory, when you when like you said you mentioned it, you gave me goosebumps, and it still lives large in my heart. I loved it. It's so funny you say the record. I went back and added it up last night because I'm just I'm so excited about this conversation. And obviously the 2015 Blue Jay team, last 61 games of the season, the Toronto Blue Jays 43 and 18. I mean, is that going to work? Is is that good? Holy, you guys adopted a strategy <laughs> of just winning every game, and, and and I approve that strategy. I absolutely loved it. My gosh. And Tim, it's funny too because it's a perfect segue because you mentioned at the trade deadline because yes, everything exploded at the trade deadline. Absolutely yes. But I want to talk about a few things here. That 2015 playoff team. It, it, it was meaningful. I'm so glad, Tim, that, that, that you seem to have noticed how special it was throughout the season as you're, as you're making comments here. Because I'll tell you, as, a, as a diehard Blue Jay fan, 1-92 in 92 and 93, but between 93 and 2015, it was the longest playoff drought in North American sports. Every NHL team saw their team go to the playoffs fan base. Every football team saw their team go to the fan base, saw their team go to the playoffs. Same with basketball, same with baseball. So it was painful. It was a lot of losing and not a lot of success. That was painful. Now you guys come in, your regime comes in in 2014. It's a winning season in 2014. First time in a long time, a winning season for the Toronto Blue Jays. Things are starting to look up. You mentioned the fire that took place for the base, for the country, for the for that franchise at the trade deadline. Tim, I want to back it up a little bit here because I, I want to talk about some of the offseason acquisitions that ended up being just massive for the 2015-2016 Toronto Blue Jays. And I want to start with... You trade Adam Lind. Now, Tim, I wonder how you felt about this, because you would have been more concerned with the offense than the pitching. You trade Adam Lind, who's an everydayer on this team, and you trade him for Marco Estrada. The rest of the league is trying to get the 100-mile-an-hour guy. Marco Estrada is going the complete opposite way. The Blue Jays pulled the trigger on this trade. Do you remember, what was your initial reaction? Because Estrada wanted to be massive for this team. What was your initial reaction to that trade? Well, going back, I mean, I, I listen. I, I care. I cared a lot more about the pitching than the offense. Okay. <laughs> Trust okay. me, because because every every good team has starting pitching. You know, the Marco deal was kind of like a, a like a. I think it was just time for Lindy to to move on, and mm. I think that was just kind of a deal. And if if you remember correctly, like Marco barely made the team because he he was out of options, and we would have had to send him down. He started the year in the bullpen, and he had you know we we had starters that were running pretty deep, especially early, yes. and then. And then all of a sudden it just came his turn in, in the rotation where he could fit in. And like, wow, like almost, I, I remember being asked this question on, on talk radio like a few months ago or, or, or last year that, that what was the, one of the biggest memories about, about Mark or, or the Blue Jays? It's like for like about a year period, it's like Marco Estrada carried a no hitter through like the first six innings of oh, literally almost every game he pitched. And so it was a really underwhelming kind of deal. I thought it was more to get, 
you know, Lindy, a new star to get him out and then and kind of just bring someone in that, that had some some big league value to us. But to see that take off where it took off, I don't think anyone expected it. And and literally, like every day that I went to the field, every day Marco ever pitched, it was like, what, what he's we're going to win, number one. But like, like, is he, when's the day he's going to get his no hitter? It was amazing because he threw a change up and a high fastball. Everybody knew it and guys could not square him up. And what he did, not only in terms of like just running consecutive starts and being such a winning pitcher, the, the big games he pitched in the playoffs for us are like some of the biggest games in franchise history. And, you know, like it was, it was underwhelming at the time, but wow, did that one over deliver for sure. You blew my mind on that one, Tim. I you, you took me back to you're exactly, there was a time when it felt like the umpires would get the, the, the managers together at the beginning of the game at an Estrada start and say, okay, so we just agree. We'll just start in the sixth inning. You guys have no hit. We'll just, <laughs> we'll, we'll just start there. Yeah. Okay. Play ball. You, you blew my mind on that team. That's exactly right. He had a long stretch of that. Absolutely. Is. Wow, wow. I love that. Uh, another player that came over that I'm just dying to get your take on here, because I wonder if you feel like, well, I mean, we did get pretty good production out of him, or I wonder if you're feeling more like I'm feeling Tim, like there was a lot more left in that tank injuries robbed us of the career that we could have seen from Devin Travis. He had the same tenure with the Blue Jays as you did, 2014 to 2018. Anthony Ghost was traded for him in 2014. He was really good for that 15 and 16 Blue Jay team. But Tim, I, I, I just feel like injuries really derailed this guy. Well, they did. I mean, it's it's sad. Devin's fine. He's, he's going to have a great life. But you talk about a guy who could have spent 10 years in the big leagues. I mean, my biggest thing with, with wow. Devin Travis, he, he was going to make batting average sexy again because he just knew how to get hits. And, you know, it's funny because the year before he traded for him, he was in the fall. I coached in Arizona Fall League, and he was there playing for Mesa. And I really grew fond of him. I loved him, the way he played. And then when mm. we traded for him, you know, I knew how great it was. And when he came over in spring training, you know, we really – I don't know. We, I guess we really wanted to make the team. If you look at it, he probably had like 80 at bats and he probably didn't get a hit for like the first 30, 35 of them. And I can remember every, and he's wow. coming from double a and you could see him kind of doubting himself. And like, like for me, it was easy. It's like this dude, you're a really, really good player. And, 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 and you just keep grinding. You're going to make a player and about halfway through spring training. He just started picking up the pace. He ended up making the team. And I can remember being number one, thankful he made the team. Um, because I really liked him as an individual. His personality was so great. He was so good around everybody. But he hit the home run off Jason Shreve in the opening day at Yankee Stadium, and I can remember just what a great feeling that was. I remember the ball coming off his bat and settling in the left field stands and, and just remember what a cool moment that was. And, you know, we're, we're friends to this day. You know, it's just, it's really, it is really sad with the injuries. But, you know, Devin's going to be great wherever he is. He's having a great career now. He actually works for the Braves uh, uh, as a rover in the minor leagues, doing much of what I do. He's also doing some commentary for uh, ESPN and college baseball. So just a great guy, great guy to be around. And when you look back and you have winning years in the big leagues like we did, you know, everybody kind of remains close. And and Devin was such, such part of the glue that kept everything together. And even to this day, you know, we all kind of still stay in touch. So, uh, yeah, I, I, there's not enough good things you can say about Devin Travis. And if there's ever a guy you wish that had a 10 year career and could have done what he, what he was capable of doing, he'd be the guy you'd pull for every single time. That's so interesting for me to hear you talk about that because that, that matches the eye test. He seemed like a great team. That is really cool. And, and finally, when we talk about that 2015 team, the, the off season, my gosh, Tim, 
talk to us here about because the top four in that lineup was feared. I literally that 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 August 29th game I'm talking about that that was supposed to be a rookie pitcher for the Tigers that day that woke up that morning with a stomach flu, with a stomach game. And, and we saw that a few times, right? But I mean, pitchers were shook to have to face this Blue Jays lineup, especially the top four in that lineup. But I thought that the difference makers, because a lot of teams, I, I mentioned the stretch from 93 to 2015, no playoffs. A lot of those Blue Jay teams had Rejohn, Catalanato, uh, Vernon Wells, Carlos Bogato, uh, Alex Rio, Sean Green. A lot of those teams had le- a legit top four. But then, you know, you're falling off a cliff at the rest of that lineup. The 2015 Toronto Blue Jays bring in two guys on waiver claims, Justin Smoke, Chris Colabello, and you fit you fit them in the five spots. Smoke against the righties, Colabello against the lefties, and they mashed. I feel like they are one of the more underrated parts of the 2015 team. Tim, what do you remember about the contributions and and how important those guys were? I can, in a lot of ways. Listen, it was easy. We, we had. We got Russ and, and Josh Donaldson yep. in the offseason who, who, who won the MVPs. Like, those are huge. Um, <laughs> gosh, that's that's as good as it gets. But, uh, you know, you look – I always said this, and I always thought Colabello was kind of the guy who really kept things going. Because, look, we could sell out to power a lot. And, and there was times when pitchers could command the outside part of the plate and go slow, and we were selling out to power. Um, you know, guys could beat us, but it was always – CC Colabella that would sit in the middle of the lineup and take his hits the other way, drive and run. So we were winning a totally. ton of games by, totally. by a score of 10 to two, but we were also winning the three to two and two to one games. And, if, and when you talk about teams with balance, I thought, I thought Chris was the perfect guy that gave us the balance that we needed. So in the games that we, maybe we weren't hitting and we weren't killing people like we, like we normally did. Colabella still won us those games. It wasn't like we were just out. I think you see those problems a little bit in the last few years with the Jays. If they're not hitting, they don't win. But we had that depth down there. And it was only him, but it was also the bottom part of our lineup. When you got Ryan Goins and Kevin Pillar down at the bottom, the the one thing we – talk about the balance. The one thing we took really a lot of pride in that year is we realized that if we could turn the lineup over, we were always going to score – have a chance to score runs and probably multiple runs. So – they took they took the initiative. Chris always drove in the runs that we needed to drive in, like in the six and seven hole, you know, in the middle of the game. But the, the bottom of the lineup did such a great job of getting it back to whether it was Jose Reyes or Ben Revere who came later, and then getting Donaldson up there who who had moved to the two hole at some point during the season. Mm-hmm. And I think that was just the key. Everybody was really unselfish. Everybody fit a role. And I think in today's game we try to make everybody great. Instead of just like taking guys that are great and then like fitting pieces around them and and, and kind of like making what they do really well fit with the guys that are really gonna like drive drive your ship home. And I, I again I thought that team had the best balance of any team I've ever been a part of. Um, we ran the bases extremely well. Uh, we did a lot of little things. But I think I have always said this: good teams win ten to two, and the good teams win two to one. And that was the kind of team that was able to do it. And I think it's a great. You made a great point there. You know, I haven't talked about Justin Smoke yet, but like like Chris Calabella was such a huge part of that team. And even towards the end of the year, he wasn't playing a whole lot. And when it came right. time to the playoffs, we knew we needed him in there for the very reasons I just talked about. And he had a, such a great playoffs for us. And again, we won some playoffs games by a lot. And we won some games two to one. And Chris was right in the middle of all those things. And then having Justin Smoke, who really blossomed later, like in 16 and 17. But just having him there as a threat, having him as a guy that came in and was able to show up the defense late in games. And, and just a guy who was so great in the clubhouse. Uh, 
I, I, it kills me to say that he's one of my best friends, but it, he drives me nuts. <laughs> um, but, but he, his presence, his, you know, just, just the way he was just added to that team so much. And was, he was such a huge part of our success too. That is a wrap for Wednesday's hump day edition of the locked on blue Jay podcast. Enjoy the blue Jays game tonight on Sirius XM and reminder that tomorrow on throwback Thursday, we get great stories, including the bat flip with Tim Leeper. And we'll do the trivia Tuesday answers tomorrow as well. Now, for now, keep it locked on the Locked On Podcast Network and check out Sully hosting Locked On MLB. Go Jays, go, and we'll talk tomorrow.